good morning. It feels so good to be here. And here. And here. Somebody said one time, they said, I don't mind dying of a heart attack as long as I'm not there. Well, some of you know, some of you don't know, um, uh, I uh, died last week. So um, I guess I joined the Lazarus Club, I think. But anyway, Friday I didn't feel very well. I had a light, uh, light chest ache, and I thought, oh, it'll go away. It's probably just, uh, you know, one spas of meatball. I, don't, I didn't know what it was. I just knew that it hurt. Laid down on the couch, and it went away. And I thought, oh, well, I just did the radio show, did to every man an answer. Next day I was up and doing some chores around the house, and I told my wife, I said, you know, I feel the best that I felt in about three weeks. An hour and a half later, I was on my way to the emergency ward room. And um, again, chest pain. By the way, if you're, I don't care what age you are, if you feel chest pain, uh, take it seriously. Uh, and, and it felt like a, initially like about a, <clears throat> somebody pushing on my chest. But by the time I got in the car, and she was driving me to the uh, emergency room. It felt like a sack of cement setting on my chest. But got about as far as the Boy Scout building up here, and it went away. And I thought, oh, it's all right. Just, you know, just gas, something. I don't know what it was. Don't worry about it. And uh, no, no, we're going to take you there. And so I ended up going to the emergency room. And as I was outside the door, um, the pain started coming back again. And uh, I thought, you know, this... This doesn't feel right. So, again, that kind of pain. I didn't have my arm didn't go dead or flying around or anything like that. I just didn't. So, anyway, I go through the emergency room door, bent over, because by this time it felt like about a five on the pain level up to ten, you know. And so I got over there, and Shannon and uh, Ariel, they were there, and they, uh, they, she yells out, this guy's having a heart attack. So, anyway, they set me in a chair. And uh, thank God that, um, you know, because, you know, it didn't hurt at the time. And I thought, hey, I can stop off and get a cafe latte. It would have killed me. So anyway, I walk in there. They set me in a chair. They asked my name, a couple of things. They wheeled me down the thing. They threw me on the gurney. They're pulling my pants off, my shoes off, everything like that. And 16 minutes after I walked through the door of the hospital, I flatlined. And I'm laying there in bed right before this happened, and there's a little heart monitor just kind of laying on the bed. And I I looked over at it, and I I saw like 175 over 220 or something. And I went, that's not good. And I looked back over, and I just, I just, everything went out. But I will tell you this, and that's when I died. It was very peaceful. I didn't see golden puppies. I didn't see clouds. I didn't see a giant light walking at me. It's probably because I wasn't gone long enough. But I will tell you this. There is what the Bible talks about, the peace that passes all understanding. And what was really amazing is I'm laying there. I roll back over and I open my eyes and there's a nurse about this close to my face. And she goes, do you know where you are? Well, when I saw the mask, I knew I wasn't in heaven. So I, I, um, I, 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 saw, I, I think I must have passed out. She goes, no, you died. And I said, oh. 
know, that's not something you usually hear every day. You died. And I thought about that for a second, and I thought, that's weird. And they told me that they put paddles on me to bring me back alive again. I didn't feel it because that's because I was dead. But it was 20 joules or whatever it is. I don't know how many volts that is in real life. But the point was, is as soon as they did that, they, I came back to life. They literally ran down the hallway with me on this gurney. It's almost like a, like a comedy. I'm, you, know, I'm, you know, and I can see them. And, I, and they're running down. And, and Errol's going, don't you die. And I'm going, okay, I'll do my best. And so we get down there, get in the, uh, the operating room. They're going to put a stint in my heart. And they're getting all this stuff figured out and doing all these kinds of things. And I told everybody in the operator, I said, I don't know how this is all going to come out, but I want you all to know I love you and I thank you for doing your best to work on me. And so anyway, with that, they kind of knocked me out and they put a stent in my heart, showed me a picture of a, looked like a blob with a noodle on it that's cut off. And they seen this little bitty light go up, little go up. This is on the, on the x-ray. And then all of a sudden, the stint opens, and all the veins come alive in my heart. I went, wow. That's why it's so important you get into the hospital as quick as you can, because the longer your heart doesn't have the blood, it starts dying. And so anyway, they, uh, they wheel me out as an ICU for two days, and then I had one night in the regular room, and then they let me go home. The point is what I was going to tell you is... Um, You know, there's nothing you need more than life when you're dead. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I I think about that, and I thought, you know, it's really amazing that I did feel that peace that come from God when everything else was shut off. And, you know, I just want to encourage everybody today, don't ever put off getting right with God because you do not have a promise that you're going to be alive in an hour. I had no idea. I, I climbed up on a 16-foot ladder in my garage, and I'm putting some lights up there, and I get down the ladder, and I thought, oh, I'll put a little motion light on my little garage. And so I get a little two, two-step ladder. I put that there. I put that on there. Got all done. That looks good. I adjusted it, so come on like it's supposed to. Stepped off the ladder, and all of a sudden, ah, oh, oh, that hurts. And less than 30 minutes later, or about 45 minutes later, I was dead. My point is, is this. Today, the Bible says, is the appointed day of salvation. You want to be ready to go when he comes because you don't know when that's going to be. Whether it be the rapture or I'm part of your welcoming committee, which I almost was. Isn't it nice to know when you get to heaven you're going to know some people? Hey, Mike, there you are, yeah. Well, God left me here for a purpose. Um, and God left every one of us here for a purpose. And you know, again, we want to endeavor to pray and ask God what that purpose is for our life every day. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open it to the book of Matthew. Now, normally we're going through the book of Genesis. And we've actually been looking at the, at the parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Joseph was rejected, if you follow the story, by his brethren, his 10 brothers, 11 brothers. Uh, And we we know that he was rejected and sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. 
Jesus was rejected by his brethren and sold for 30 pieces of silver. He became our slave. He took our sin, took your sin, my sin. And what we find at this time of the year at Christmas is we have this wonderful time of, of whether Jesus, I, I hear so many people, in fact, on every man and answer, well, I can't celebrate December 25th because we don't know it was Jesus' birthday. Well, hey, knucklehead, it's the day that the world recognizes something fabulous happened. And whether it was December 25th or Ula first in the Hebrew calendar, which is in the spring of the year, all I can tell you is this. There is something monumentous that happened to humanity 2,000 years ago that changed the very course of anyone that would believe in his name. When we look at the book of Matthew, we find a guy... And this guy was an interesting guy. Matthew is an interesting person in the Bible. He was a tax collector. He was an IRS man. And you know how well they're loved. Then and now. Now what's really amazing about Matthew Levi, as well as many of us, and if we can get this, if we can put this into a perspective of real life, it's going to really help you if you're not a Christian here today. And if you are a Christian here today, it's going to really change the way you think because of this reason. Matthew Levi, very wealthy, but not very well liked, would sit at the receipt of customs at the gate of the city in Jerusalem. And it was customary for the Roman government to hire locals because they knew the vernacular. They knew what the, the, the trade was like in the area. They knew the farming. They knew what commerce was around. And so they'd hire a local as a tax man. And when you'd bring your goods through the city, the tax man would stop you in your wagon. Like sometimes as years ago, you might remember when you went uh, from Las Vegas to Los Angeles, you went through a little town called Yermo. Not Mimo, Yermo. And you would stop there and they would say, do you have any fruits or vegetables? And, and if you did, you had to give it to him. Now they, they don't ask that anymore. They just ask if you have any nuts and they just say, well, take the whole state. But that's another topic. I remember my mom and dad, who was from Idaho, we'd come up here and see my grandma and his brothers and sister and all. And I remember one year we stopped and it was cherry season and he picked a whole big bag of cherries and we had these. And we came through Yermo and the inspection station there. And he says, do you have any fruits or vegetables? And my dad says, well, these, just these cherries we picked in Idaho. And they said, oh, you can't bring those into the state. And my dad said, you could see the guy's lips smacking as he looked at that big box, it's bag of cherries. And my dad says, well, let me pull over right here. I won't go through. So he pulls over and he went down the line of all the cars in line and gave them handful of cherries to eat because he didn't want to give them to them. I thought that's pretty interesting. They thought they were going to get something for free. And instead he gave it to everybody else. I don't know what that has to do with anything about this story, but that's just a thought. No, really... 
Matthew Levi sat at the receipt of customs. He sat at the border, if you will. He would check what was going into the city. And he'd go through and he'd say, okay, if you're going to bring these wares into the city, you're going to pay this much tax. And the Roman government said, this is what we want. And anything up and above that you can um, extract from the people, you keep. They were known to be corrupt. They were known to be crooked. Remember Zacchaeus, the little man, climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. It says he was short in stature. He couldn't see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead. Which way is Jesus going? He's going that way. Okay. He runs down, climbs up in a tree. And Jesus stops and looks up at this little brightly colored man in a tree. They, they, they showed their wealth in those days, not by driving a Ferrari or a Porsche. They showed their wealth by their clothes. And he had these really fancy bright clothes on. The common people just had knit together wool, dark, ugly. And here's this little man glowing in a tree. And Jesus stops and says, Zacchaeus. Now that enough probably ought to made him gasp. He knows my name. He said, come down. I must eat dinner at your house. I like that about Jesus. He'd invite himself to dinner. I must eat dinner at your house tonight. I'm surprised he didn't fall out of the tree. And Zacchaeus went. And the Lord touched his heart. And he said, master, if I've ripped anybody off, which he knew he did, I will restore fourfold over uh, whatever I've taken that I shouldn't have taken. And Jesus said, repentance has come to this man's heart. Matthew Levi, again, the tax collector, the one who wrote this book, Receipt of Customs. Now, this is what is so amazing, friends, about this. Matthew Levi is at the Receipt of Customs. Another load of junk, 50 bucks. Another load of junk, hundred bucks. And Jesus comes up to him and looks at him and said, a 90-page essay why you should stop what you're doing and come and be one of my disciples. No. He walked up to him, and this is the point here. He looked at Matthew Levi and he said, Follow me. No big, gigantic sermon. No big anything. He walked up to Jesus and he said, follow me. And the Bible says he dropped everything he had. He didn't give a two weeks notice. He didn't care about his 401, 201K. He didn't care about what the government thought of him for walking off his job. It says he dropped everything and followed Jesus. Why did he do that? Why? Good, comfortable job working with the government. Now, you know, when everything else goes to pot, the government's still going to be employing people. Good job, stable job. Yeah, people don't like me, but hey, I got it good. But you know what? You can have it all good, but you can be miserable inside. There can be something missing in your heart and in your soul, something that doesn't line up, something that isn't settled. 
And I believe that again, the reputation of Jesus as it was spreading everywhere through Judea. Jesus walks up to him and says, follow me. And I believe that Matthew Levi, in the midst of his wealth, in the midst of his position said, I'm not happy, here I go. Drops it all and follows Jesus. Friends, I believe that's really important. And I would say to you today, whatever it is that keeps you, when Jesus says, follow me, drop it all and follow him because it won't be long before you may drop and not be able to. If somebody would have told me noon last Saturday, hey, you're going to be dead in three hours, I'd say, yeah, okay. I wouldn't have believed it. We wouldn't have believed it. You see, I was told, I was actually, I actually went and had a physical. And the doctor said to me, he checks my heart and he goes, man, he says, I'll tell you one thing. If you ever die, you won't die of a heart attack. And I said, why is that? He goes, man, you got a strong heart. And I go, that's great. So when I have a heart attack, I think it's gas. This ain't good. And so anyway, the point is, Matthew drops it all and follows Jesus. So important. The book of Matthew, chapter 1, deals with the lineage of Jesus. There are people that have called up on the radio and say, well, I have found, I have found a contradiction in the Bible. And I go, what is that? Well, Matthew, chapter 1, and if you look in the book of Luke, the lineage of Jesus is there also, and they're different. A contradiction in the Bible. No. You see, Matthew deals with the lineage of Joseph. Luke deals with the lineage of Mary. You say, well, why is that important? Since Joseph was really a, a, uh, an outsider, if you will, not truly, truly the father of Jesus, because Jesus was born in Mary by the Holy Spirit. But here's why. Matthew Levi worked for the government. Matthew Levi had a business mind. Matthew Levi understood governmental issues. Matthew Levi also understood that the right to the throne of God to be our Messiah had to have that lineage that came through the Father. And an adopted son could inherit that that, uh, right, that position. So Levi, Matthew Levi records for us the lineage of Joseph that gives Jesus the legal right to the throne. Mary, on the other hand, the book of Luke, gives us the blood lineage line to the throne. You need the blood lineage and you need the legal lineage. You know what? God never leaves anything unturned. Well, we find this, and if you look at the first part of Matthew chapter 1, you'll see a lot of names you recognize. One of the things you recognize is you'll recognize people that oftentimes in the Bible would be considered scoundrels. Do you know it didn't bother Jesus to identify and his lineage to come from people that were less than perfect? So often in Christianity... And in the church, 
We find people say, well, God would never have me. I've been too bad. I, I, I'm not good enough. I'm this, I'm that. And we can come up with a million excuses why I couldn't be used by God. My past or my education or the people I associate with or my, 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 my job uh, credentials. God doesn't care about any of that. What he cares about is you. And he walks up again to Matthew Levi in the doldrum of living every day. And Jesus just simply looked at him and said, follow me. And he drops it all and follows him. You know, how long does it take your life to change when you accept Christ as Savior? That fast. Because what happens when you accept Christ as your Savior All things pass away. Behold, all things become new, the Bible tells us. Now, it doesn't say, behold, all things eventually will pass away, or eventually all things will become new. Boom, it's that fast. Why? Because you went from a life of meaninglessness, even though I may have everything I want, and you go to a life of fulfillment in what God would have you to do. Now, the reason I say that is this. Because of Matthew Levi's faithfulness to God, we're reading these words today that bless us. Do you realize what you do as a human being affects people long after you're gone? Now, I'll tell you something. One thing, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. I don't know, Booth, who started the Salvation Army, He said, I believe every Christian should be dangled over hell for 10 seconds. Hey, it changes your perspective. You know, you come home after a heart attack and you're looking out the window and you don't feel very good. And you look around and you go, do I really need all this junk? I remember my dad came down to my house. I'm a collector. I, 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 I hate to throw anything away. Because I always think, that can be something different. That, that rapidy do dad can become a, 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 something else. And I do that. Now, it's a blessing. In fact, Kelly Carlson, one of our chief engineers, said, he said, Mike's pack ratedness, I don't know if that's a word, but it should be, has saved us more times because we can't get it anywhere else, and he's got one. Oh, but my friends, it's a curse as well. Because you can swim in junk. All of a sudden you start watching these programs like Pickers on TV and you think, ooh, I could have a whole series. (laughs) My dad came down to my house before he died. He was about 89 years old. And he walks down my lane and he looks around And he looks at me and he says, how long do you think you're going to live? Well, the reality, when I came home Monday, after being dead, you know, you do. It will. It has a pronounced effect on the way you look at life. When you realize, honestly, friends, December 5th, I died. The The people in the in the emergency room said, you have no idea 
how lucky you are that you were here. Because if you had been here 10 minutes later, you would be dead for good. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I, I, I have one who watches me. I remember the nurse that came in and she began to talk to me, very nice lady. And she said, yeah, it's pretty tough when you die, isn't it? And I said, yeah, but you know, I said, I know where I'm going. And I was able to give her the whole plan of salvation. I figured, God, you're not going to lay me in a heart attack and not let me tell every person in there about you. And so I, I shared with her, I, I, just, I just, just, you know, right down to, hey, you got to pray, ask Jesus. And you know, I mean, I was there. And, and, the, and the point is, is that in doing that, you, 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 you look at life different when you come home. You know, you start thinking about what's important, what's not important. What can I live without? You know, all of a sudden, you know, I, I like, I, I, I'm a shopper. I, I just am. People know me. I, I, not that I even buy a lot of stuff, but, you know, like you'll be on eBay looking at battery testers or whatever. And I look at that and I go, do I really need that? Would I need it if I died? No. Next. You know, I mean, it changes the way you shop. Well, here's the thing. You got to be ready when God calls. Now, we look at the life of Matthew Levi. We see where follow me, and that's exactly what he did. Let's look at verse 18 and let's pray. That was a long intro for a sermon, huh? <laughs> Father, we ask you as we read your word that you'd bless it to our hearts. We'd remember these things. And God, that you would put in us a foundation that will last throughout all of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, as it follows, his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, and she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Hebrew, there's three events when a couple gets married. There's the engagement Oftentimes arranged possibly by the parents. Oh, you have a cute little boy. We have a cute little girl. We have similar backgrounds. I know your parents. They know us. You know, we, we know they're not sacrificing chickens around the satellite dishes and stuff. And so we have a same belief system. And so, hey, let, let, let's let them get married when they get of age. That was called an engagement. So it was very possible to be engaged when you were five years old. Because it was an arranged marriage by your parents. But then, when it went from that, it went to the betrothal. And the betrothal was, was that of getting everything ready for the wedding. Now, at the point of betrothal, if you were betrothed, in order to get out of that, you would have to get a legal divorce. That's how binding the betrothal were. And so anyway, it says that um, before they came to child, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, very important here, shows he was a good man. You know, there's a lot of people that like to exploit the failures of others. I understand it, friends, in the world. I have no concept what it is in the church. None. The Bible says to, to uh, 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 pray and, and to cover one another's sins and bless one another and shield one another. But, you know, it seems today that, oh, hey, everybody, eh, 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 look what they 
they did. It's terrible. That's not the reflection of Jesus or love. And it shows that Joseph, in fact, was a really good, righteous man. In fact, you know, the whole story of Jesus, we always talk about Mary and baby Jesus. But you know, Joseph was such a key part of the whole bringing Jesus into this earth. Because first of all, he was a man that was righteous. And second of all, he listened to God. Notice it says here, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife for that, which is conceived in her is of the Holy spirit. Now, friends, That's a pretty bold thing that I'm marrying a girl that's pregnant. I get a dream that says that that's from God. Talk about a man of faith. You put yourself in in Joseph's shoes for a minute. And this is all going on. Now listen, people were skeptical then. If you go up to John chapter 8, two times in that chapter, the Pharisees chide with Jesus going, well, our father is God. Who knows who your father is? Two times, two different verses. They were rubbing it in his face. Evidently, they might have had a calendar and figured out, wait a minute, they're betrothed. They're not married yet. Hey, the timing here don't work. You know that nine-month thing? But you know what's really amazing? Joseph, being a righteous man, accepted her and what God told him. While he thought about these things, notice Joseph, son of David. Again, that lineage that comes for the righteous, the priestly, or excuse me, the kingly line of Jesus. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. God's salvation is what Jesus means. And he will save his people from their sins. I like that. God will save his people. Are you his people today? Pray so. You see, that's one of the things, that's one of the wonderful things about belonging to God is our sins are forgiven. You know, the devil loves to throw your past in your face. This is what he does. Look what you did wrong. Look what you did wrong. Oh, I wish I would have, wish I would have, wish I would have. Sound like a bunch of broken washing machines. Always wishing we would have done something else. Listen, God is bigger than the things you've done wrong and the things others have done to you. And this is so important because we always say, boy, I just need a clean break. Now, when we get back to studying the book of Genesis and we look at Joseph being sold into slavery, into Potiphar's house, Potiphar, uh, he was the captain of the guard, which meant he was a head of the secret service. He was a head, he was the head law enforcement officer in the land of Egypt. Potiphar was. And we look at that and you say, well, if God's hand was upon him, what was he doing being sold as a slave? We'll talk about that when we we get uh, through the holidays here. But when we look at this, we see this. He will save his people from their sins. That's what people need is to be saved. And when you realize as a child of God, you're saved from your sins. God's bigger than the things you've done wrong. And you know, I'll tell you one thing that, you know, uh, they came into me. I'm laying there in bed. 
And the doctor looked at me and he said, now I want you to know a couple of things. And I said, what's that? Um, he said, don't jog today. No, he didn't say that. Uh, he, he, said, he said, you know, uh, when you get up and around, you're going to be extremely depressed. Okay. Now, I think from a worldly standpoint, that's probably very true. Because I think once you die, you come back to life, you look at your life, you realize your life has not done where, been where you want it to go, that can bring a lot of depression in. But you see, when you know Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. And I realize all the things that God did for me, I didn't have that depression. In fact, I looked at it very, very different. I died. December 10th at 3.30. But God wasn't done with me yet. And here's what's cool about that. I'm in overtime. And do you know what I found? It pays time and a half. And that's good. In other words, God thought so much to leave me here. I wasn't mad I go, God, thank you, not that I'm alive, but that you thought enough of me to leave me here. Kids, family, all these things that are important with you. And I thought about that. That didn't make me depressed at all. Sometimes I think in our life we go, oh, God, I'm, I'm a cosmic mistake. I should have never been born. I'm talking to some of your hearts right now. I should never have been born. I, I, I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. And I got all these things wrong. And we that way. And I have been there. I know I got that. And I have felt that way. But when you die and you come back to life, it's like God saying, see, I still not done with you. You're not a mistake because I could have checked out. So I look at that, and when I look at this in the Bible, he will save his people from their sins. Oh, saints. Live in that in Jesus' name. You need to. The devil will want to beat you up. Don't let him do that with your past. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, and here it is, verse 23, behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Oh, everybody, do you realize what this does? In these last couple of verses of the book, first of Matthew chapter 1, it knocks the wheels almost off all the cults in the world. You see, cults, the devil does not want to give glory to Jesus Christ. Jesus in Middle Eastern religion was one of the greats. You have Buddha and Muhammad and Jesus, Columbus, I don't know. He was just one of the greats, one of God's sons. And the ecumenical idea is all paths lead to God, Chrislam. It doesn't work because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that he shall be called Emmanuel, which means, I love this. Look at this again, okay? He shall be called Emmanuel, and in the Bible, it says, which translated means 
Get that? It's in the Bible, which translated means. So people can't mess it up. Oh, but they do. God with us. That's who Jesus is. He's God on earth. The Mormons, if you're a Mormon here, I don't wish to offend you, but I'll tell you what your church believes. Satan and Jesus are brothers in the Mormon church. But John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Satan and Jesus aren't brothers. Now, if you're a Jehovah's Witness, Jesus is Michael the archangel. If you're into Middle Eastern religions, I'm Jesus, you're Jesus, we're all Jesuses. What's wrong with that? Which translated means God with us. Friends, understand who Jesus Christ is. Every cult has two things messed up. One, Jesus Christ is not God. Number two, there is no hell. Or it's a wonderful place, or it's demented in some way, from what the Bible says, a place of everlasting torment. In the book of Jude, um, just read, there's only one chapter, but Jude, you'll see that uh, it says that it's reserved for everlasting fire. Now, here's the point. In just these couple of verses, you don't have to know the entirety of God's word to spot a cult. When I talk to someone, they go, who is Jesus? And they say he's God's son. Okay, that's partially true. It is. He is God's son. The next question is, is he God? And when they go, no, he's not God. He's, he's the essence of God or the, the ooze of God. No, it says, which translated means God with us. Notice it says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him, uh, took her as his wife. Verse 25, here is more corrective doctrine from God's word. Now this is why Jesus said, we live, from, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is why today the churches will not teach the Bible because it won't allow them to be ecumenical. Now, what do I mean by ecumenical again? All paths lead to God. I'm cool, you're cool. Let's groove together. Cuckoo-cuckoo, yeah. That's what ecumenicalism is. And it's false. And it's what's destroying America, the world, and Christianity. Let's read verse 25. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Everybody see that? Is that pretty straightforward? Do we we understand that? But the Catholic Church says, no, Mary was a perpetual virgin, had no other brothers and sisters, and had never had any relationship with Joseph whatsoever. What does the Bible say? And he did not know her till Jesus was born. Do you see why? You see, if it doesn't matter what you believe, then believe whatever you want to believe. But I will tell you this. What you believe is how you live your life. And how you live your life will depend on your relationship with your God. And if you believe all paths lead to God, 
And when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane saying, Father, if there's any other way man can be saved, let this cup pass from me. And he went ahead and he died a gruesome death on the cross to save all of us. There was no other way. Being a really good person, being a really moral person, joining the Sibitans or some other thing, that'll get you into heaven. No, if there's any other way, Jesus said, man can be saved. Let this cup, speaking of the crucifixion, pass for me. And he didn't. He died on the cross for you and me. Matthew Levi, setting at the receipt of customs. Day in, day out, board him in, board him out. He heard about Jesus, and a guy walks up to him and says, follow me. And without a big sermon, without anything else, Matthew Levi drops everything and follows him. Why? Well, first of all, I believe more goes on in the spiritual world than we'll ever know in the physical. You know, like I say, one of the things that will really sensitize you to the spiritual world is dying. No, I didn't see golden puppies. I didn't see giant fluffy clouds. I didn't see a big light. I didn't see a guy coming towards me melting all the candles on my cake either. But what I did experience was God's peace. And friends, when God's peace comes upon you, and I think that's what happened to Matthew Levi. When Jesus said, follow me, I think those words settled his heart and he realized, you know what? What I'm doing, I'm not happy in doing. Yeah, I've got what everybody says should make me happy, but there's still something wrong inside. And it says he dropped everything and he followed Jesus. And do you know to this day, a little tax collector sitting at the receipt of customs, is world famous. There was a man that came to Jesus. Rich, young ruler. Wow. Now think about that for a minute. He was rich. He was young and so good looking. (laughs) Rich, young, and he was a ruler. He had power. He had money. And here's something most people don't have when you have those two things. He had youth. And he came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know the commandments. And he says, all these I have done since I was young. So he was rich, he was young, he was a ruler, and he was in their standard of the day righteous. All these I've done since I was young. And Jesus looked at him and he says, one thing you lack. Oh, man. Can you imagine? First of all, if I was the rich young ruler, I'd be pretty happy about that. Somebody look at me and say, hey, you know, you're doing really good. There's only one thing wrong with you. I'd say, hey, name that tune. Now, in reality, I think Jesus was talking, there's there's only about 10,000 things you lack, okay? But he looked at the rich young ruler, so there's only one thing you lack. And he said, sell what you have, give the money to the poor, and the same thing he said to Matthew Levi, he said, come and follow me. The Bible says he went away very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus knew right where to put his finger on the man's issue. And God knows right where to put his finger on you and me and our issue. 
to cause us to be more like him. Friends, again, if you're not a Christian here today, Jesus is simply looking at you and saying, follow me. Have you had enough? Do you want another 10 years like you had? Do you want this when they throw dirt in your face? If you were to die at 3 o'clock this afternoon, is what you're holding on to so important that you wouldn't say, well, you know what, God, I don't know what you got for me, but I'll do what you want me to do. Or are we going to hold on to a lie like many people do? This rich young ruler did. He walked away. Oh, by the way, we don't know who the rich young ruler was. Don't know his name. Don't know where he's from. Have no record of anything great that he did. But those that serve God, the same invitation he gave to the rich young ruler as he gave to Matthew Levi, we know who Matthew Levi is, and today his book still blesses the world where the rich young ruler and all of his accomplishments and all of his his ruling capabilities and all those things came to nothing. We don't even know who he is. One life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This morning, if you're not right with God, today's your day. And just because you may be a Christian, don't think that, hey, I haven't let those things get out of my control. Remember, God died for his people. He came for his people, which you are. And I want to invite you today, if you've never prayed and asked Christ into your life, we're going to pray right now. You can ask Jesus to come into your life. And the Bible says that he will because he loves you. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If you need to pray, let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry for the foolish way I've lived. Trying to define life my way. And so now I commit my life into your hands. Whatever time I have left, I give to you. Use me for the best for your kingdom. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And so now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me the best I can be for you. Give me the boldness to speak of you and to love you and to love the people that are around me, God. And thank you for eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. You pray that. Welcome to God's family.